Hello and welcome to Fiction, Faith and Familiar Themes, a conversation about watching what we watch, read, listen or play through gospel lenses. We're going to be looking at some um, popular movie tropes, narrative devices and the go-to plot points from our favourite movies, video games and, and TV shows. So this week I'm joined by Harry and Michael and Rebecca. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be looking at maybe one of the most common movie tropes and narrative plot devices that is around, a chosen one. You were the chosen one! The way this will work is we'll each suggest uh, an example from a movie or a book or a TV show or a game uh, from pop culture and see how this theme appears, uh, how it develops and where it intersects with the gospel and the Bible. So I'll go first. I have chosen as an example of the chosen one, Kung Fu Panda. Poe the Panda is the dragon warrior. Legend tells of a legendary warrior whose Kung Fu skills were the stuff of legend. This is one that everybody knows that I've uh, spoken about lots of times in Hope Street. Yeah, it's a bit obsessive, fuck. <laughs> and I do I support think him. <laughs> it is one of the best examples of uh, of a chosen one. Um, the the premise is Poe is a panda and, and not your a not your typical kung fu master, and yet through a series of unforeseen events, he is chosen as the long prophesied dragon warrior despite there being five other furious masters um, who were furious afterwards as well. Uh, Poe is kind of the unexpected chosen one. He's not, the, he doesn't fit the bill for what people were expecting. Um, and yet as the wonderful trilogy of Kung Fu Panda movies reveal, he absolutely was from the very beginning meant to be the chosen one. Um, and nobody expects that. Not even Poe. Yeah, I think there there is definitely a similarity there. Um, I think with Poe, there's the um, it's quite unexpected, and I think that's that it's a it's a big panda who's going to be this with like no training, who's going to be this dragon warrior uh, rather than one of the already like trained warriors there. Um, and I suppose that's. There's similarity to then, uh, you know, Jesus that a lot of people then expect. Um, you, know, they thought they were expecting almost like more of a warrior mm -hmm. uh, type figure, and they obviously didn't. You know, the fact he came from Nazareth, which isn't, which is like coming from uh, Balamina. So, um, no, I'm joking. It's it's worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I think there are a lot of similarities. I think the way it begins with the, the kind of the 2D animation story is similar. There's this long story when you get to the Gospels of, you know, Genesis, this dragon, not dragon warrior, but this serpent crusher. Um, that's been promised way back at the very beginning in Genesis 3 
someone who's going to defeat evil once and for all. There is a legendariness to this story as people are waiting for this snake crusher to be revealed. And as you said, yeah, Harry, there's times when even his closest friends don't recognize him and have other understandings of, of a great military warrior or uh, Che Guevara revolutionary. And Jesus subverts that completely. And I think we see that then, that, that, that subversion of the expectation of what our great champion is going to be like. We have a true notion that there is going to be this champion, this, this hero, but then we kind of mold it into our own image and our own preference. And Jesus comes along on the scene and he's not, you know, chasing the Romans out of town or, you know, bringing in some sort of great Davidic making Israel great again. And yet I think where I find it disagrees with the gospel lens and, and the scripture is that Paul isn't aware that he's the dragon warrior. This is the, you know, if, if only Paul was like, I am the dragon warrior from the start. You don't get it, but I definitely am. And there seems to be some sort of disconnection there that he's not even, he's not even convinced himself. I think we you see that the example of, of, in a load of different movies, the likes of the Lego movie with Emmett, he's the master builder, the, the one that uh, Morgan Freeman prophesies about at the start of it, the Lord business, but he doesn't realize it himself. And there's this theme of there's an unexpected hero, but they don't even know themselves. Um, yet what we have in the story is clearly that Jesus knows that he's the hero. And he also is aware that he doesn't fit the mold kind of like, Yoda and Empire Strikes Back whenever Luke is sent to Dagobah to find a great warrior and Jedi Master. And Yoda says, war does not make one great and just messes with him. Yeah, yeah no, I think that's a very interesting point you like highlight there that they actually, quite often our heroes, our chosen ones aren't actually aware of, um, you know, that they aren't aware that they are the chosen one and even when they are told that they are, they sort of struggle with the kind of, you know, like they have to gradually understand their own role and abilities and things like that. Whereas, uh, you know, as you say, Jesus would have known from the very start of his, you know, who he was and his identity. You know, and we it wasn't, see that in like in Luke's gospel, is it where he talks, where you see that that one incident of Jesus as a twelve-year-old, and he knows, mm-hmm. so he's not. He's not chosen by Uguay at his baptism. Yeah, rather than having it just like from, you know, from the start, like we here's our hero, here's the chosen one, and they've known all these like decades kind of thing. It's it's always, you know, it, it pretty much always follows that formula. They have to discover it or change or something like that. Or even believe in themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any ideas or thoughts on the why we see this pattern repeat itself so many times? Why are we so interested in these stories about is it just is it the the hero the rescuer storyline that we like that there is someone foreordained or predestined to be this savior? I think it ties a wee bit into like what Michael was saying, like these ordinary people that all of a sudden are chosen, and I think there is a real human need to want to be chosen or want to be picked. Like we all know that 
feeling of like being picked last for something or you know I mean doesn't everyone's dream that they're slightly special in some way and like oh how cool would it be that one day you receive your letter from Hogwarts or like you gay pick you were gay you were go picture or like um you know you, f- you have the force and it's this kind of thing that like one day there'll be something that is set apart that sets you apart and makes you like special yeah so kind of and, and that maybe feeds into the fact that they don't recognize it themselves hoping that you know time's just passed and nobody's told yeah. me that i'm the dragon warrior but there's still a chance that i might be i remember when i was 16 having a feeling of like oh like people always like all those like chosen ones were like fine before they were 16 so like you're definitely like all our times up like you're not you're like your powers aren't gonna manifest now it's too late i think that's a a, a good point as you say rebecca like i think you know we, we like when we watch like movies and things like that we really want to relate to the people in it and there's something about being told this person was once ordinary like you are but they became super special and went this amazing you know adventure kind of thing i think people really love that whereas heroes of you know sent like people's heroes of centuries or millennia gone by were always these sort of you know perfect flawless beings who were totally unrelatable then um which is which is funny i said like people looking back now and you know great like generals and things like that like julius caesar and they look back and find out that they actually made errors and you know were human and you know sometimes were you know lazy at times and you just just these human flaws and qualities people like read that back now mm-hmm. and they they realize hey they were actually ordinary as well and i think you know as rebecca says we're all crying out for you know to be spe- become special ourselves and if we see ordinary people do it and it means we can like, too. Even if you look back to like all the mythology and stuff, like how many, like how many stories of like in Greek mythology or any types of mythology have like some we do blogs. He like goes and does like goes on a quest and then comes back as like the most advanced hero or something like that, or like is living their life and then they find out that like this is their dad, which is like everyone in Greek mythology. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but do you think there's something as well about these prophecies that declare that there will be a chosen one, there will be a hero, which means that you know that this this guy or this girl is is coming. They will be here. And there's that that hope then that things that are wrong can be righted. Um maybe, yeah, we have an idea of where they come from and maybe they subvert that, but there's that hope. That they will be back yeah and i think that's really obvious in like stories where they like where the prophecy is kind of an add-on so like i know we're only supposed to talk about one but like for the likes of harry potter like i don't know if you guys like so like i think it's like the fifth or sixth book is when they start talking about a prophecy um by that point you kind of know harry potter special and no one else is really referred to this so it's not like this built up thing and all of a sudden it's like there's this prophecy and then what does it actually matter? Because it's not actually attached to hope. It's not actually attached to anything. It's just this kind of like, it's like really badly used. But then if we see it in things like the, in Country Panda, like it's something that you can see 
every is like the center of everybody's life this prophecy of Mm -hmm. oh my gosh when this happens everything will change yeah yeah that's the aslan's returning call Mm -hmm. yeah okay rebecca do you want to talk a wee bit about your chosen chosen one so this actually goes in quite well so my chosen one is buffy the vampire sir because i absolutely love it it's a great tv show go watch it it's class in every generation one slayer is born because a bunch of men who died thousands of years ago made up that rule they were powerful men this woman is more powerful than all of them combined so buffy is this teenage girl who was reading he was leading quite a normal life and all of a sudden she finds out she's a vampire slayer and it's up to her and her alone to like fight off all the evil in the world and like all the monsters and something I find quite compelling is this the show kind of deals with like the negative effects of being like the chosen one so like she like she gets kicked out of school and she has to move school like she like it shows kind of the loneliness and there's some bits in it that I think really mirror um the like the um the garden. Oh, why is that out of my brain? You know, like when Jesus is calling out to God. Garden So, because like, so the show is basically like each season, there's like this big bad that Buffy has to fight. And the first season, actually, she has to go and fight and she ends up dying and then obviously comes back to life because there's like 10 more seasons. So spoiler alert, sorry guys. But um, there's this kind of real moment where she's like, you know, like like she knows she has to and she knows it's a good reason. Like it's good, like if she goes and does this because there's a prophecy about her dying, then she will die. But she's also got the like vulnerability of like, well, hang on. Like, I'm only 16. Like, I want to go and, like, live my life. And I think, like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not, maybe Jesus, I'm not saying Jesus was, like, I'm only 33, I want to go live my life. But, like, we see in the garden him, like, it wasn't an easy thing he did. It wasn't just, like, he was, like, oh, I'm going to go get up in that cross. And, like, three days later, I'll wake up and it's fine. Like, there's pain there. And there's, like, it's a sacrifice. Like, it's a proper sacrifice. And I think that shows it off. And just like, you know, and you see that quite a lot. You know, she would talk about quite a lot of death as her gift and like that battle there. But one of the, like linking back to kind of what we were talking about, about prophecies, was like one of the main things I really liked about Buffy the Vampire Slayer is, and I think other things sometimes fall down, is like we can see where the prophecy comes from. So like... The likes of some, there's kind of like this prophecy, but like who is the person that gave the prophecy? You know, who's the higher power? Mm-hmm. And I think some, like, yeah. and then you kind of see how meaningless that prophecy is if it doesn't have a higher power. So again, the likes of, Like the Lego movie? Yeah, like, or like the likes of Harry Potter, again, there's just prophecy, but like we, like we don't know anything really about prophecy. Like we don't know, like who's this person determining it? Like... Mm-hmm. There, like what like there's no higher power there's no kind of authority like well 
with like Buffy, it does play into like, well, there were these elders and the, that's how this prophecy was created and they're the ones that set it apart. And I like, and there's kind of that, dis- this discovery that she goes on. Like when you meet her in the TV show, she already knows who, she's the chosen one. She's already dealing with that. But like there's kind of this discovery later on in the series where she discovers who chose her and why she was chosen and what that means. And I just find that kind of journey interesting in a way that like, it's not like, oh, like I have all these new powers. How exciting. It's like, okay, I have all these new powers and responsibility. Great. But where does this come from? And I just find that really, really fascinating. Sounds like it reminds me of of the temptation narratives of Jesus. You know that that he that kind of decision. Do I want the ease yeah. or the comfort? Do I want to face that. You know where Satan says you can have all the the nations of the world, all the kingdoms, if you just bow down to me. You know, let's play this yeah. out easy, or show yourself, reveal yourself, and you want you want a hero who has yeah. been tested, who come through that and has demonstrated you know that in one sense they're they've shown a choice a decision to forego ease and comfort yeah and i think you know i just really like seeing a chosen one struggle with what they actually have to do and not just like once and then get over it but like the consistency of like this is really hard like I want to run away I don't want to be here I don't like Mm -hmm. can I give this to someone else like so um Buffy ends up having another she another Sarah is born because she dies and was resurrected so um she like she does have someone she can pass off that responsibility to and you kind of see that start to happen and I find that really interesting no it doesn't work out but I find that really interesting that kind of like oh yes, I can give this gift away. This isn't an easy thing. This isn't fun. And then all of a sudden being like, well, it's still not fun, but it's not, I can't give it away. It's who I am. It's my, like, it's my duty. I have to do it. Right. Yeah, it's interesting you sort of raise about there, you know, like like Jesus went through pain and so on. You're saying about, you know, Buffy sort of uh, different trials she had to face and so on that, when, when people see the chosen one mess up or fail in some sort of way, sometimes they end up viewing them not as the chosen one anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like when Christ died, a lot of people, you know, you know the way the disciples and all, although probably many of them believed, were very, uh, you know, deeply shaken by it. You know, like, for example, Thomas, who doubted the whole situation, um, yeah. Yeah. which is interesting. You see that with the chosen one sometimes. Yeah, even the, the guys watching like the Pharisees saying, prove it, save yourself, you know, and in their eyes, him dying was proof that he wasn't who he said he was, even though it was the the great irony. Mm -hmm. Michael, do you want to share your example? Yes, certainly. Well, I shall, from the the trailer of this uh, particular video game, summarizes this character introduction quite well. You should have acted. They're already here. The Elder Scrolls foretold of their return. Their defeat was merely a delay. But there's one they fear. In their tongue is Dovahkiin, 
Dragonborn. So my one is the Dragonborn from the video game uh, series Elder Scrolls, and this is number five, Skyrim. This one's called. Um, so Skyrim is a, a sort of mystical land full of uh, various races and beings, and after many uh, centuries of peace, the as a prophecy told, once the land was in turmoil. The dragons, who are the sort of uh, harboring, harbingers of uh, destruction, would return to the land. And the dragons have indeed returned with their great evil leader, Alduin. And it also says in this prophecy that when these dragons come back, there is only one that can possibly combat them and save the world, and that is the dragonborn. Uh, you take the role of the dragonborn in this video game, beginning off... Uh, about to go to the chopping block for a crime that you're not remotely guilty of when uh, circumstances permit that you break free. Now at that stage uh, you would probably want to be living a free life uh, you know starting to enjoy all the luxuries that were suddenly taken away from you but even though uh, in the game you can obviously avoid uh, doing the main quest of the Dragonborn eventually to finish it you have to follow your duty. And uh, that's the first quick parallel, I thought, to uh, Christ. Firstly, falsely imprisoned, but unlike the Dragonborn, he uh, stayed and saw his fate out. And like in uh, Skyrim, where you have to follow, you, you know, you have to, there's a duty for you to follow to basically save the land. You know, you could try to delay it, you could try to put it off and avoid it, but ultimately it has to be done. Just like Christ had his path laid out before him, and he, you know, could have sought comfort, could have tried to avoid what lay out ahead of him, but instead he did his duty and followed uh, his path. So the Dragonborn character is part, he is a, a dragon soul within him, and he's also human. So that's the sort of source of this mysterious power he has. He's able to har um, use a lot of the powers that the dragons have in this. And to truly master these powers, he has to go to these people called the Greybeards. And they've been preparing for centuries for his arrival. And upon his arrival, they then teach him about who he truly is and his powers. Yeah. And we sort of touched on that a bit earlier where Christ did know who he was already and the full extent of his powers. But he still uh, obviously went, you know, those many, many years before beginning his public ministry. So in a, a preparation of sorts, I suppose. And um, mm. in this, uh, and as I said, within this uh, land of Skyrim, the Dragonborn is approached by people in public seeking his help. Some people respect who he is. Some people uh, call him a fake and not the real thing. There's others that pretend to be the true Dragonborn. Just like in Christ's lifetime, there were many... Uh, people, you know, trying to claim to be the true Messiah before and after he came. And uh, also, like, the people came to Christ seeking help. And Christ was always there to provide the help that they required. And of course, in the end, the Dragonborn follows through with his quest, bringing uh, truly everlasting peace uh, to the land he arrived in. Hmm. Just like, uh, you know, Christ made his sacrifice to bring a peace that's like no other to our universe. I like the idea that uh, the Christian life and even the life of Jesus 
It's like a video game and you can get distracted by side quests. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, and that's the whole thing, you know. Why why the driving board is really interesting. As I said, the difference between this and a movie is that you have, you know, you, these type of games, the RPG games, you have to make choices, you know. So, you know, you, you still obviously there's the main quest, the dragon board that must be followed, but you know, as a player, they can still make good and bad choices essentially. So yeah. um and, and you that's see that in the gospels with like the disciples saying to Jesus we got a whole load of guys here that you could heal and do miracles for. And Jesus says, no, I need to go to the next town and preach because that's why I'm here. That's the main, that's the main mission. You know, that's the, the next level. I can't run around, you know, chasing side quests and loot boxes. Well, that's the whole thing I said, like the, the game of Skyrim, I played for a grand tour of something like 80 or 90 hours before I actually came back to doing the main quest. So it just shows you, you know, how easy you can get uh, sidetracked and distracted. Yeah. Um, and, but that's the whole thing, you know, there's all this, you know, you, you, you want to go out there and have fun and, you know, oh, look, there's a cool quest over there and a place to visit and things to see. Whereas, you know, Christ <laughs> was very set on his path. And I think that when you get put in a position where you're powerful, you know, mm-hmm. um, just like, you know, like, like Christ was, you know, with this unbelievable par, and then you have to say, no, I need to do my duty here and also, you know, restrain myself, uh, essentially. So there's, the, again, there's an element of the prophecy and the waiting, and and yet again, that kind of, I mean, I suppose Buffy's maybe a wee bit different. There was that kind of knowing that the prophecy was there and knowing who she was, but also there was that disconnect between, I don't know the insights out of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but that disconnect between the prophecy giver and Buffy. And so there is that disconnect between the one being prophesied about Skyrim, Buffy and Poe and who they actually are. And yet that seems to be completely contrary to how the gospel reveals the actual chosen one. He is someone who is, and, and I think we see that in church history with the heresies that come up, that this idea that, oh, Jesus only became the son of God at his baptism and was kind of chosen at that point, and, and only at that point did he become the Christ. And no, 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 from eternity past, but also from his birth, and we see it in his childhood, he is aware of who he is, and he is who he is, or as he says, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. And there's that never faulting understanding that he is the chosen one, the dragon warrior, the dragon born, the vampire slayer. Yeah, I think that works. Yeah, I I think, you know, that's important because that's the whole thing, you know, in in Skyrim, the fact this guy is kind of, you know, is unaware of his abilities and he's uh, you through the story as you'll you know you see if you play it he sort of accidentally just you know discovers his powers like you know something happens and it's like everyone looks at him and goes wow you're the dragonborn he's like what's you know is it me what i kind of heard about that you know mm-hmm. and that's worrying that you know you don't want your chosen one to be someone that's uncertain and kind of uh discovering their powers and sort of you know oh what should i do with them and all like that's very uncertain Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, as, as you say, Christ knew from the start and that's why you, you really can trust him with that because he knew from the start who he was and what he was there to do. Yeah, I think it's about there is a plan and the mm-hmm. person who's going to execute the plan is aware of the plan. 
And so it was God's plan mm. to redeem and God became flesh. Cool. Cool. Although I suppose part of the game as well, you have to teach people how to use the controllers as part of the gameplay. <laughs> as you discover as the the outside of the universe game player with the controller in your hand have to figure out what melee and attack and jump and crouch and run around in circles hitting walls exactly, exactly. You, you, you don't want to press the button to talk with someone and accidentally cast a blizzard in their house you know so no you definitely don't know that that would be a rookie mistake <laughs> I've definitely not done that. <laughs> okay. Harry, well, what is your chosen chosen one? Uh, so I've gone for uh, Star Wars and more specifically the, the prequel trilogy. There was supposed to be, I don't know, maybe it, it goes through to all of them. But uh, yeah, and so in the prequel trilogy, there's this idea of this chosen one who's going to bring balance to the Force. Um and this is sort of brought up when they find Anakin. You refer to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the Force. You believe it's this boy? I don't presume to. But you do. Revealed, your opinion is. I request the boy be tested, Master. Oh. Um, and there are a few similarities because you've, but like we said earlier, he is from a bit of a backwater in Tatooine. It's just a a uh, place of a hive of scum and villainy. Um, so, uh, yeah, I suppose that's a bit similar to Nazareth. And then also, <laughs> which is really weird, he's also a virgin birth. He's conceived by the Force. Um, so, yeah, I suppose uh, that's also a bit of a similarity to Jesus. But uh, to be honest, apart from the fact that he's a chosen one who's supposed to bring balance to the Force, you know, there's not really that much. There's more, which there's more difference than um, similarity, uh, really, when you start looking at it. Because who there's like people still disagree at who actually is the chosen one. Mm-hmm. Is it actually Anakin? Because he turns to the dark side for like twenty years, turns into Darth Vader, and kills loads of people, even though he's redeemed at the end and. As Bushi is the one who ends up killing the Emperor, but then is Luke the chosen one, and then we've got the sequels. So, did any of that matter? So now is is Ray the chosen one? So Ray Skywalker, uh, yeah, Ray Skywalker. Um, so it, yeah, there's three chosen ones maybe. So <laughs> there's uh, that. Um, sorts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then yeah, obviously he turns into Darth Vader. So there's the he wants uh, sort of the worldly pleasures in some way so he wants to you know he wants stuff for himself and in the end turns turns bad because of that um so yeah there's although there are similarities that there is a chosen one um it does diverge quite a bit he's more i mean if poe the panda was a completely unexpected chosen one i think it's maybe more the disappointing chosen one yeah totally yeah, um, the chosen one gone wrong. Yeah, that would sort of gone wrong, but then redeemed eventually. Um, yeah, but I suppose it would be like if if Jesus had gone with Satan's offer in the yeah. wilderness. That's a, that's exactly what it would be like. It's um, you know 
he's the, the he's the Palpatine figure. Yeah. You know. What's it? Uh, Palpatine offers Anakin that he he can solve uh, the power over death and uh, to save Padme as his wife, and uh, that that is sort of what lures him in. Um, yeah. And there's also the kind of the abstract prophecy. Yeah, listen, yeah. What's about? With all due respect, Master, is he not the chosen one? Is he not to destroy the Sith and bring balance to the Force? So the prophecy says. A prophecy that Miss Reg could have been. And as Rebecca was saying earlier, like, they're just. You've no idea who says this prophecy. It's just sort of thrown in there. Um, yeah. But, yeah, thousands of years old. And so he's almost trying to live up to that rather than actually yeah. fulfilling it, maybe? Yeah. Because Anakin's, uh, yeah, because I say, he's like, blessed with like so much power. It's kind of thing, you know, terrifies people around him, but because he's... He's constantly being get, trying to be guided by so many influences that he. I think he's really not sure which way he wants to go sometimes. Yeah, and, that, and that's why you know it's, it's probably the biggest criticism I think he gets. And then the Clone Wars like animated series I think adds a lot to him as well that he gives in to his emotions far too much. You know, like anger and things like that, which, as you would said, is the path to the dark side. So, um, you know, he he's he's someone so like obviously the, the Jedi way is kind of to be very calm and collected kind of way. And with all these influences constantly bombarding him, he sort of sways all over the place till eventually he falls and you know the dark side. Whereas that said to bring it back then to Christ, he was from the beginning, you know, and that's why it's so important you said you brought that up earlier, Stephen. Christ from the beginning knew where you know who he was and where he was going. And I think that's really, that's why he is really the ultimate chosen one out of, you know, and that simple fact alone, I think really puts it across there. Yeah. So why, why do we keep getting these stories that are stories of these long promised heroes? I mean, this is, this is the heart of the matrix with Neo as the one, um, Emmett in Lego movie, Anakin, there's there just seems to be every couple of years a new movie or a TV show or book or even video game where there is this idea that someone from long ago that we've been waiting for is here. I mean, is that residue truth that is suppressed in the human heart, as Paul says in Romans, that just keeps bubbling up, that we know there is a promised one that we need. I maybe. <laughs> okay. It's like, it's hard to see the reason for us wanting to choose someone, you know what I mean? Like, well, I guess, but like, other than it for it to be a residual truth, like, you know, yes, we might want to be special and stuff like that, what I said earlier, but for us to be waiting for someone and us to, like, to watch these people and to want those stories of this person who, like, is awesome, special and comes about, 
like and as a hero like we do navigate to heroes mm. and specifically like chosen heroes so like there has to be something there like maybe we're just lazy and want someone else to do the work or maybe there's residual truth like you said because like what is the actual reason other than that yeah yeah and are any notary mentions or other movies or examples that we can just flag up very quickly as a in a listicle sort of way. Lord of the Rings, Aragorn. Aragorn, yeah, I was trying to think who in Lord of the Rings, but yeah, yeah, the king. yeah, because that's something I find. Sorry, no, no, yeah, the king, the king. Yeah, the king. Like, and it's not necessarily who the story is about. So, like, I when I watch Lord of the Rings, I'm always like, oh, like Aragorn's clearly Jesus, but like Frodo. And Sam, I always see as like two Christian friends uh-huh. trying to get home. And like, you know, and they're carrying this burden and it's like, you know, they're carrying sin and they're having to like, disc- like they have to discard it kind of thing. But like, you know, you do see, like, I don't think in the movies it's as much like talked about the prophecy of Aragorn. But like, I remember it being a huge thing in the book. It's the bloodline stuff, isn't it? He's. Yeah. The, the air of Isildur. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's like that, again, that thing of responsibility and like kind of almost there's like a blood curse that anyone who's tried to do this before, yeah. it hasn't quite worked in the same way. Not that just echoes the Old Testament kings. Yeah. Like David and Adam and the blood of Jesus, like the human side of Jesus, like everyone has tried to be, like Israel's savior has tried to be well, maybe not tried to be, but it's been like, you know, yeah. and they haven't quite made it. Like they've fallen to the temptation of the ring mm-hmm. and, you know, the throne is empty and the people guard. Oh, I should have chosen more of the rings. I should have. <laughs> but like the throne, like the throne's empty and we have these people guarding mm-hmm. it. So we have the, um, what do you call Stewards. them? Stewards. Yeah. We have the Stewards and they refuse to acknowledge mm-hmm. that he's king and it's like you know you have Boromir who you know does in the end and we have Faramir who does in the end but we have the like what do you call their dad Grumpy Guts who like you know that's the hill he's gonna die on like he's gonna set himself on fire before like he lets like he gives up his power and you can kind of see that with Pharisees like you know they should obviously they had a position of responsibility and they should have been guarding the people from like false shepherds. Yeah. But then they're just like, nah, like no, a hundred percent. Like my par. Mm-hmm. And like you can, so yeah. Lord oh, that's, good. Like, that's good. And the other ones are Michael O'Hara. Uh, well, I, I was on the, yeah, just a, your earlier question about why we might need the chosen ones. If, if, if you have time for that. Yeah, go shoot. Um, yeah, no, like I was thinking about a lot of these themes. I think we seek a chosen one because it's like when we ourselves realize like how sort of powerless we are in some ways, I think we crave like a hero who has power to, mm-hmm. you know, I was thinking of the event, you know, the Avengers quote from Nick Fury says, There was an idea called the Avengers Initiative. The idea was to bring together a group of remarkable people fight the battles that we never could i think you know we really crave uh when we realize we can't control everything and when 
there's some things we can't overcome or defeat, we then really want a hero to be there to first either solve it for us, but also I think to inspire us in a way and influence us. Yeah. So, so I think some of the greatest heroes aren't essentially, you know, people that just, you, you know, solve the problem and leave, but rather they're ones that actually influence and affect the people around them as well. And I yeah. think it's how a hero makes us as, you know, vulnerable people then feel, I think is what really, you know, makes us love them so much. Hmm. Yeah. Harry, anything to add? Uh, no, all my, uh, like sort of backup ones that were taken like Harry Potter and Buffy. So <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Um, thanks for watching this first episode of fiction, faith and familiar themes. If you have any chosen ones that we haven't mentioned, put them somewhere, maybe in the comments or put them on Instagram or just write them down on a post-it note and stick it on your mirror. Um, but Thanks for engaging with this and watching. Uh, next time we'll be looking at another uh, theme with a few other familiar faces from Hope Street and White Alley. Thank you for tuning in. Bye. 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 The man who can wield the power of his sword can summon to him an army more deadly than any that walks this earth. Put aside the ranger. Become who you are born to be. Okay, baby.